Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. Great to worship with you. I get to tell you one of my very favorite things. Open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles, no matter what venue you're in. Hello to all of you joining us, uh, whether you're a part of the Christ Chapel family at one of our uh, venues or joining us online. Thank you so much. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 9 to 16, and we're going to read it as a whole, so I would love if you followed along with us. If you're opening one of those blue Bibles, no matter what venue you're in, it's page 911, 911, 911. So we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week, and I was telling the team this morning, in some ways, this sermon is a little bit like a sequel uh, because we're picking up, it's kind of a to be continued, but we're also going to have an aspect where it's kind of a prequel, where we're going to look back at something, but we're also going to take a kind of behind the scenes look, so it's kind of like a director's cut in, in the sermon as well, and some of you are like, this sounds like, you know, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or something like that. Don't worry, it will be nothing like that because I don't like those movies at all, okay? That's a strong statement. I abhor those movies uh, is probably the right way to put it, uh, but it won't be anything like that, but we're going to continue our, our story, and so you do need your sermon notes because uh, I, I, I don't want to lose you, but we're going to be, uh, to understand what's going on here, we have to have aspects of the sequel, the prequel, and the director's cut, so we're going to just promise you, this will all make sense as we go along. But let me just give you a quick review of where we were last week. If you remember, Peter and John are going into the temple. They met there daily with the early church. That's where they met. And we kind of gave you an idea of what the temple courts looked like. You, you saw this. And in our text today, you're going to see that after they heal this lame man, after this lame man is healed, they go to the the portico of Solomon or Solomon's colonnade uh, as it's called and so that would have been along the eastern side there this is what it would look like would have provided shade and an easy meeting place uh, for the early church so I just want you to have those images in your mind uh, as we go there so they're going to the courts to meet with the early church they see this man who is begging for alms or, or charity they're, he's asking for money and Peter and John stop they make this personal connection they say silver and we do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy miraculously gets up and walks. He has this congenital condition where he hasn't walked in decades. We know that this guy has, has been lame from birth. He was about 40 years old. We know he's at least 40 years old. And so he gets up and he walks and he's going to follow uh, Peter and John. And last week we talked about seeing people differently and hearing people differently and offering them Jesus and offering them a hand. That's kind of where we were going. And, I'm, and by the way, I just want to say, when we talk about seeing people differently, hearing people differently, offering people Jesus, offering people a hand, I'm not just talking about the person at the, the stoplight. I'm talking about people that God puts in your path, whether that's uh, your next door neighbor, whether that's in the boardroom, in the cubicles, in the homeroom, in the grocery store. Uh, God puts people in your path that he wants you to make personal connections with, to see them differently, hear them differently, offer Jesus, offer a hand. And that's where you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading you every day, saying, Jesus, I'm yours Lead me by the power of the Spirit and let me be a witness for you because that's what the Holy Spirit is doing is empowering you to be a witness 
for Jesus. So that is review. That's, that's where we were. And this layman gets up and walks and begins to follow Peter and John. So I, I want to pick up right where that left off. And we're going to start in verse 9 and we're going to go through 16 just so we, you understand what happens. So verse 9, it says, And all the people saw him, this was the layman, walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while this man clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. That's the picture that we just showed you. And when Peter saw it, saw all these people running to him, uh, he addressed the people, men of Israel, Why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and the righteous one and you asked for a murderer, Barabbas, to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all today. May God bless the reading of his word and may our hearts be open to hear from him. So this is obviously a miraculous event, a miraculous healing. And I I even told you last week as we drew some principles from that text, I said, this was a miraculous event, a miraculous healing. And I do not expect for you to go around and begin healing people, which when I say that, I know that to some of you, it can uh, solicit the question, well, Cody, does God heal people today? If I'm not going to go around doing that, you told me I don't have to go around doing that, does God heal people today? And I think it's a a really honest question to ask, and I want to answer that as best we can, biblically and theologically. So this is the director's cut. Uh, We're going to kind of go behind the scenes theologically, because I just want to answer that question. All of this is on your sermon notes, uh, because I want to explain to you what our church believes about uh, God and healing today, because uh, how we believe affects how we behave. And if you understand what we believe, then you'll understand how we behave. And so that's why I want to explain the beliefs. And I've given, given you three, and I'll, I'll break them down here. So first, we believe that the spiritual sign gift of healing given to individuals ceased in the apostolic era. Now, we've talked about this multiple times as we did the Empowered uh, series specifically. But the sign gifts are those particular gifts like miracles, like healing, like speaking in tongues, which were other known languages uh, at that time. That those sign gifts are signs that point to Christ. They authenticate the messenger but most importantly, the message that the messenger is a witness to. So those sign gifts, we believe that were given to individuals 
ceased during the apostolic era. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the sign gifts look like. If you even go on, and we'll, we'll get there eventually, but if you even go on to Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, you see that the, the, the power of, of healing was given through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and they were healing people, and people were bringing them, their, their uh, infirmed friends and family members, to the apostles in order to heal. And they were healing people so much so that friends and family put their infirmed uh, loved ones out in the streets so that the apostles' shadow might even come over them and pass by them and heal them. Now, we don't expect that that happens today because one of the things you need to understand about spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts we uh, use under our own volition in a sense. It's a spiritual gift given to us by the Holy Spirit, but when we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works through us. Now, I know that if, if it was possible, you would yield yourself and say, Holy Spirit, heal people through me. But we do not see that happening today because sign gifts were given to launch the church. They were given to launch this brand new entity that had never existed before. Now the spiritual gifts given are not sign gifts, but serve gifts. And if you look at the different gifts that are given today, even as the Apostle Paul talks about them, these serve gifts like teaching, like encouragement, like leadership, those different serve gifts are given for the maturity of the church, for the building up of the church. That, that's, that's the sequence of why sign gifts existed then and why serve gifts are used today because you are commanded to use your gift. And if people have that gift of healing, then they should be in hospitals all the time saying, Holy Spirit, use me, heal all these people. So that, that we believe that spiritual sign gift given to individuals ceased during the apostolic era. But point number two, We believe that God can and does heal people today through supernatural and secular means. One of the conclusions that someone could draw when I say that the spiritual sign gift of healing ceased is, Cody, you are limiting what God can do. No, I am not limiting what God can do. God can do whatever he wants. God can heal people miraculously. And I believe God does heal people miraculously. He can and does heal people through supernatural means. Supernaturally, he heals people. Unexplainable to medicine. Unexplainable to doctors. Unexplainable to professionals. He does it. You might know of some of those things that are unexplainable that God has done. He has intervened in the natural world through supernatural means. But we also believe that God uses secular means to heal people too. I believe in medicine. I believe God gives uh, wonderful scientists and medical professionals and doctors and nurses wonderful wisdom to be able to help heal people. And we go praise God for that. And, and sometimes those, those work together. Uh, I'll give you an example there's a, a, a young man in our church who is, uh, last year was diagnosed with a, a very large brain tumor. We, he w- w- underwent treatment for a year and we've been praying and praying and praying. Uh, we got a wonderful report that it, that tumor is now a tenth 
of the size that it was a year ago. Now you say, well, that's because of the treatment. Probably the treatment helped, praise God. But also the doctor said, I have no idea why it's this small. No clue. Supernatural and secular means. God can and does heal people today. So thirdly, we believe God hears our prayers for healing and chooses to answer those within the bounds of his will with immediate or ultimate healing. Now, I know that's a long sentence, and I'll break it down. We do believe that God hears our prayers for healing. We are commanded to pray. In fact, one of the things, and this is on the back of your sermon notes, we're going to have elder prayer. And we follow James chapter 5, where in James chapter 5, he says, hey, is anyone sick amongst you? Then, then call for the elders and ask them to come and pray for you. So we, that's why we do a James 5 prayer time with our elders for healing and encouragement, believing that we ask for God to heal, knowing, though, that that is determinate upon his will, that sometimes his will is to heal, to take away that suffering, and sometimes it's not. His, his suffering sometimes has a greater purpose than what we understand. If you'll remember a, a few passages first, Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Also remember, the apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Do you remember this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he has a thorn in the flesh, and he prays to God three times, God, take it away. Now, if God hears anybody's prayers, you'd think it would be the Apostle Paul, and he doesn't. Why? Because his, that had a purpose in Paul's life, and sometimes God uses that suffering, and so we submit our prayers to his will, to his sovereignty, knowing that sometimes he heals people immediately, and we see that. We see God answer prayers all the time when he intervenes supernaturally and secularly to heal people in our world today and in our church. But we also believe sometimes he heals people ultimately, meaning that he takes them home. He takes them home where there is no suffering, where there is no tears, where they are glorified, made like he wanted them to be and intended from the beginning. Remember, guys, and this will be crucial to what we're going to talk about in a second. Suffering is a result of sin. It's, that's, suffering is not the way that God intended it. It wasn't the way he drew it up. But we brought sin into the world. And because we brought sin into the world, sin introduced suffering. So that's not the way that God intended it. That's why I say ultimate healing is when we see Jesus face to face and he makes all things right again. And so when I say the supernatural gift of healing uh, has ceased that was given to individuals in the apostolic era, uh, now I hope you understand. We're gonna continue to pray that God heals people. I, I'm gonna continue to pray that. And I believe God answers our prayers. And we're gonna continue to do that as a church and ask you to submit those prayer requests. We will continue to pray. We're gonna submit ourselves to his will but we're also going to ask him because we believe that he loves us and he cares for us. And so we're going to continue to seek his face. So that's what we believe about healing and that's why we behave the way that we behave, praying like we pray. But one of your questions then, so there, there's the director's cut. Uh, now we're going to go into a prequel, okay? 
Because one of the questions you're going to ask, or might be asking, like, you know, I would have never asked this question, Cody, but one of the questions you might be asking is, why did Peter and John heal this man? I guarantee you folks, I don't, well, I'm 99% certain he was not the only beggar at the temple. So why him? Why did, why did Peter and John choose to reach out to him and offer him Jesus? And this man is healed. Well, there's something else going on and you, you need to understand the prequel aspect to this account. Uh, and, and we're gonna go all the way back to Luke chapter five. Just write it down and you can go back and look at it later. But in Luke chapter five, uh, Jesus, it says Jesus is given the power to heal. It was really, really interesting in Luke chapter five. Jesus is given the power to heal and it says that people are bringing their loved ones from all over Judea, all through Galilee. They're bringing them to Jesus so that he will heal them. And then he's in this uh, abode, I don't know if it's a house or a building, some, some sort of structure, he's in there and these friends bring their paralytic friend for Jesus to heal. Do you, is this beginning to sound familiar? And they're bringing their friend there and they can't get in. There's too many people packed in there. And this is where, you know, remember they, they pound through the roof and they drop the paralytic friend down through the roof. Do you remember this? Drop him down through the roof. And the first thing that Jesus tells that paralytic man is, does anybody remember? Your sins are forgiven. Kind of a weird thing to say, first First thing to say to somebody, as you see this guy drop down in front of you, he says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees behind, they all begin to say, who does this guy think that he is? That he can forgive sin. Only, Jesus, uh, only the son of, of, of man can forgive sins. Only God can do that. And Jesus, it says, Jesus, knowing their hearts, knowing that they were thinking that he's not the son of God, and he doesn't have any right. They, they were calling him a, a blasphemer, knowing that he doesn't have that. He, they begin to, to scheme. They go, he doesn't have it. And Jesus knows their hearts. And he answers them and says this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 23 through 25, this will come up on the screen. It says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He therefore said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. This Luke 5 story sounds a lot like the Acts chapter 3 story where this lame person is healed and they get up and they walk away praising God, which is what happened here. Now, why does Jesus help this man walk? To prove that he has the authority to forgive sin. Do you see that? This is, this, this is why I started with the whole idea of sign gifts. You see, the sign gift of healing is authenticating the messenger and the message. It, this is a, a visual foretaste of what it looks like in the kingdom of God. 
When you're walking in a right relationship with God, when your sins are forgiven, this is what the freedom looks like. And so Jesus in Luke chapter 5 is only demonstrating the power that he has over sin as he relieves suffering. Does that make sense to some of you? Okay. I know this is hard to follow. That's why I told you. This is, this is director's cut, prequel, sequel. We haven't even gotten to the sequel. Because you've got to understand why these things are going on. So when Peter and John come up to this lame man, the reason why they are offering Jesus and the reason why Jesus heals this man by faith, which we'll talk about in a second, is to authenticate the messengers, but now they're going to go into the message, the message of Jesus. It's not just healing for healing's sake. It's healing to point to someone else, not to point to Peter and John, but to point to Jesus and the message that he has. So I've heard that it's a a cardinal sin in journalism to bury the lead, and I don't want to bury the lead. So what we're going to do is I want to walk through this passage backwards as if I haven't been confusing enough today, okay? But we're going to go backwards. And the reason why we're going to go backwards is because I don't want to bury the lead and I want you to understand what the main point is of this whole occurrence, of the whole event. And then it'll work out to an application I think that you and I can apply in our everyday lives. So again, we're starting with the end in mind. Uh, We're going to start in verse 16. But I want you to see that a changed life begins with faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. A changed life begins with faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. After this event occurs and everybody sees this man, Peter realizes, remember, everybody runs to him at Solomon's Colonnade or or Portico. Everybody starts running up to him going, what in the world happened? And he says in verse 12, he says, men of Israel. You remember this back in verse 12? Men of Israel, and he starts to preach. And he says, man, this didn't happen just because of of us. This happened because of Jesus. And he says, this is the same Jesus whom you rejected. Do you remember this? And he talks about three strikes, essentially. He says, you wanted him to be killed even when uh, Pilate could find no fault in him. You wanted him killed and even asked for Barabbas instead. You crucified the author of life. And good thing it's not three strikes and you're out with God. Because those are the three strikes. But essentially what Peter is saying here is you have rejected the one who came to forgive your sins. You have rejected the one who came to be a bridge to have a right relationship with God. You look at those terms that he used there in uh, verses 13 through 15, and he calls him uh, the holy and righteous one. You killed the author of life. And he says, to this, I am a witness. You see, the healing only authenticated the messenger, but now Peter being the messenger who's authenticated authenticates the message. He says, here's the message that this points to. If you look at verse 16, he says, and his name, 
by faith in his name, this is Jesus, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Remember, suffering is a result of sin. And by faith, this man believes in Jesus. His sins are forgiven, and as a result, he heals him so that he can be a witness of the power of Jesus. This is the name that changes everything. When he talks about name, it means he has the authority. He has the power. He has the sovereignty. This is why we continue to pray and exercise that James 5 prayer where we ask God because we believe that he does have the power to heal people today. And he says, in his name and in his name alone, this man is able to walk. Let me be very clear. As we do this series called The Power of a Changed Life, the power of a changed life begins with the forgiveness of sin. The changed life does not begin with a new spring wardrobe, with a new cologne, with a new diet or exercise program. Those are all wonderful things. Awesome. Go for it. But you do all those things, and my friend, you are still dead in your sins and transgressions. You'll have a great spring, but there's going to be a day when you meet Jesus face to face, and he's going to say, how can you come into this holy place? How, how can you dwell with the Holy One in whom there is no sin? You see, this is why Jesus said, what is easier, to make somebody well or to forgive sin? It's harder to forgive sin because there has to be a sinless life lived in order to forgive sin. And Jesus lived that sinless life to pay the penalty for the sin that you and I incurred. But he paid the penalty for our sin, died on the cross to pay for the sin, rose from the dead to prove that his payment was sufficient to a holy God and bridged the gap between sinners and a sinless God. That's where the changed life begins. You see, that, that, that's where the changed life began for that man. That's where the changed life began for that paralytic back in Luke chapter 5. The changed life began with the freedom that comes through the forgiveness of sin. Now, the visual representation of the healing is a visual representation of the freedom that we have now when we walk with Christ. How he does make us whole, how he does renew us, how we are now a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come in Christ because we are now clothed in his righteousness. When I say this name changes everything, I'm fast forwarding here to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, but remember, there is no other name under heaven and earth by which a person must be saved than Jesus. There's no other way you're getting into that holy place when you meet him face to face than if you say, because of you, Jesus. He is the doorway. He is the gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Until you place your faith and trust in him, you will not have a right relationship with God and you will not have the changed life that we're talking about throughout this series and that's illustrated throughout scripture, the one that he wants you to have. 
that, that is free from your sins, forgiven and clothed in his righteousness. See, a changed life begins with faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, but that depends on the power of God. A changed life depends on the power of God, not on personal piety. A changed life depends on the power of God, not on personal piety. I love how when this crowd gathers, again, we're going backwards now. So we covered 12 to 16. We're gonna keep working our way back up. I love how, how when this crowd comes, Peter seizes this opportunity to deflect the glory back to God. If you look at verses 11 and 12, while this layman clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? Why are you looking at me? as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. What a great reminder that we do not have the power to heal anybody first, but we do not have the power that the name of Jesus possesses. It's only our reliance upon him and his power that the changed life can occur in us and in others around us. It's a, it's a great, great reminder because if there's anybody pious, you would think that it would be Peter and John. I mean, they, they had been with, they're apostles. They had been with Jesus for three years. They, they had seen every aspect of it. They were a part of the inner circle of the disciples. If anybody's pious, it's them. I, I, or you could, even, you could even argue that the, the lame man was pious. Remember his friends went and set him at this beautiful gate right outside the temple? How often? Every day. This guy had perfect attendance at church. Every day. You don't even come every day. This guy, I mean, if you would think anybody deserves to be healed, wouldn't it be him? And he couldn't heal himself. Perfect attendance didn't matter. His pious works. Peter and John, nothing. It's only the power in the name of Jesus. And Peter deflects that glory. People begin to look at him and he deflects that glory back to God, which is just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing that I, 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 want, I want you and I challenge myself to implement in our everyday lives. I'm a big believer in giving credit where credit is due. And when people, if people begin to look at you or they look at the blessings and they're like, man, that's, that's awesome. We have to continue to find ways to deflect that back to God. And, and, and don't do it in a cheesy way. I'm, and I say, you know, not me. Oh, all him, baby. You know, mmm. You know, don't do it cheesy. Just, just, just be real. Just, just be real. Like, yeah, Awesome. Yeah, God has been very good. I, and I think, I think one that helps us in our personal circles with our family and our friends as we can begin to help make disciples that glorify God and we begin to give credit where credit is due, but it also opens up opportunities to share about our relationship with Christ to those around us. So give credit where credit is due because that's what Peter is doing here.
And then finally, a changed life reflects the power of God so that others might see him. A changed life reflects the power of God so that others might see him. When when you acknowledge that you don't have the power to heal yourself, you don't have the power to forgive yourself, and you begin to deflect the glory back to God, then that highlights the power of God in your life so that others might recognize him. If you look at verses 9 and 10, it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. They're like, isn't this the dude we just always pass by and have daily for decades? And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And they recognized this man as this was the one who is totally different. You weren't like this. And this is one of the reasons why we continue to tell you that God is going to use you to reach those in your own backyard because you're the ones that they pass by every day. You're the ones that they see. You're the ones that they interact and they begin to see the difference in your life. God will use you to have an opportunity to share about him as he changes your life on a daily basis and you begin to deflect that glory to him. You see, because I, I think that they not only recognize this man because obviously he was uh, sitting and now he is walking, leaping, but also praising God. He's praising God. He's giving God the glory for all of those things in his life and I think that provides us a great application represent his name in a way that reflects his power represent his name in a way that reflects his power for those of you that have placed your trust in Jesus Christ you have a right relationship with God you have been born again by the spirit you carry his name you carry his name you're his Let's carry his name in a way that reflects him well. Uh, a, a week ago, Sunday morning, I get up super early on Sunday mornings and uh, I, I pray, I'm going through my manuscript again and all, all of those things. And uh, I, I look out my window and I saw the moon. Now, you know what the moon looks like. But I saw the moon, it was, that, it was really early, as I said. It reminded me of a great song. Um, Phil Wickham, if you want to write it down, go look at it. It's called Sun and Moon. And one of the lines in the song that that he sings is, if you are the sun, then I want to be the moon. And I just love the picture of the moon, and it, and it really captured and centered my prayer focus last Sunday morning and has carried through this week to this morning because the moon has no power in itself. Zero power. Can't emit any light. Can't do anything. But it can reflect the sun. It can reflect the sun in a dark world that needs light. That is what we are called to do. We're, we're, we're moons. I know you don't have any power, and that's okay. God knows that. But he wants to reflect his power in and through you to a dark world. He is the sun, so be the moon. Let me pray for us.
Well, God, I thank you that you choose to intervene in our natural world through supernatural ways, ways that point us back to you. And the message that, we, that you've shared with us, that we can have uh, eternal life through the forgiveness of sins by our Savior Jesus. There's no other name under which we can be saved. There's no other name that we want to proclaim because there's no other name that is powerful. Our name can't do anything. Our personal name's the name of our church. And Lord, it is only the name of Jesus. And so, Lord God, help us to carry that banner high in a way that reflects who you are. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.